I was watching the 2016 movie Rogue One, a Star Wars story, and I saw British actor Peter Cushing playing his original role of Grand Moff Tarkin. But it couldn't have been him, because Cushing died in 1994, more than 20 years before the filming of Rogue One. So how did they get his character into this movie? Well, stay tuned, because in this episode, number 2135, Bill and Sean Johnston, the CG bros, will be doing a deep dive into the subject when they answer the commonly asked question, what is a virtual actor? on the CG Bros CG Insider Podcast. Hello and welcome to this edition of the CG Insider Podcast. Thanks again for joining us. In today's episode, we're going to be answering a question submitted uh, by Rhonda M. from Park City, Utah, uh, that we got on our Ask Us Anything page at our website on cgbros.com. Uh, Rhonda's asking us, so what is a virtual actor? Thanks for your question, Rhonda. Uh, by the end of today's podcast, not only will you learn what a virtual actor is, but you'll also learn a little background and a little bit of history uh, about them as well. And uh, Sean and I will be discussing whether or not virtual actors you know, have rights, and if so, what are they? And uh, you'll learn if virtual actors uh, will be taking over the movie industry in Hollywood. Yeah, great place to ski, actually, Park City, Utah. Thanks again, Rhonda. Uh, let's say, uh, make sure you stay tuned uh, to the end of our podcast uh, where we'll be revealing some of the comments by viewers like you from the CG Bros YouTube channel. I'm Sean Johnston, one of your hosts for today's podcast. And I'm Bill Johnston. And together, we are the CG Bros. So let's get into this. Uh, what the heck is a virtual actor, Bill? You know, a virtual actor, that's a great question. Um, as I just said to, uh, to Rhonda, you know, a virtual humans uh, is well has a lot of definitions today. You know, a lot of people call it a digital double or digital clones, or or uh, you know, basically it's their creation or a recreation. Uh, actually, these days of a human being in both uh, their image and their voice using uh, CGI and sound, um, and it's becoming you know actually more and more indistingu indistinguishable from uh, you know the real person these days. Um, and and Hollywood is using it ex ex extensively, and basically they're you know. Uh, they're they're creating virtual actors. Um, uh, you know, they're entertaining. They're they're helping. They're 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 being set up into kiosks. They're um, you know being put into software. And and so yeah, I mean they're being they're really starting to move into our everyday life. I mean it's not just in Hollywood anymore. Yes, and there's some interesting terms that I wasn't familiar with. Synthespians. You heard that term? Yeah, yeah. As I said, there's a yeah, there's a lot of a lot of uh, names that could be be used for, for solicentric actors that's interesting no that's, that sounds great i like that how that sounds <laughs> yeah so i guess there's uh um those are those are some um there's legal ramifications for uh digital cloning of course and uh, human actors relating to copyright and personality rights which we'll talk about uh, a little bit yep. later but uh mm -hmm. so interesting enough the uh the idea of a first virtual actor um was first portrayed in the 1981 movie film looker uh, I believe it was Susan Day was actually in that one from the old Partridge family. Mm -hmm. and, uh, she was uh, digitized. And so where models uh, had their bodies scanned digitally to create uh, 3D computer generated Im images uh, of the models and then animated um, uh, those images for use in TV commercials. So it's kind of interesting going back way back. Yes. And that's, uh, I was going to say, yeah, that's how they do it today. I mean, they, 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 can scan that's how they basically do do it with actors today i mean they stay they scan uh you know they take your face if you're if you're scanning people's faces which is more common than, than body scans but they'll basically sit you down and take different 50 different pictures of you doing different facial expressions and uh, they they record all those uh, things and then they can they can create a, fa a facial performance from basically uh 
different angles and, and create basically a, a new character based yes. on that. Uh, going back all the way to 1985, though, when they didn't have, <clears throat> excuse me, they didn't have the, uh, the ability to scan a person's face. They, um, well, I guess they had the ability to do that because they were digitizing it, but I don't think it would have looked um, as, as uh, realistic. Nowhere near the resolution. Yeah. yeah. So uh, there's a, the first animated uh, human character to express emotion was a film called Tony, uh, Dave Peltry, and it was 1985 um, by a four-member team in Canada, and they created this uh, first human character. Um, uh, he's uh, um, his name is Tony, obviously, and he was playing the piano. He's reflecting on his life as a as a pianist, and uh, it's kind of you know it's funny because that that just you know disturbing you know you look at it today and it's and he he um, exaggerated the the face and head. I'll show you a clip of that uh, in a second, but the exa- he exaggerated the jaw, so it looks very disturbing a little bit today. And today's standards, when you're looking at it, almost like, again, we're going to use that term again, in Canny Valley, kind of weirdness. Um, but, you know, that premiered at the uh, closing of SIGGRAPH 85, um, which is the largest computer animation festival in the world. Um, and that short went on to win over 20 international awards and was featured in hundreds of magazines all over the world. Uh, it's actually considered uh, that uh, Tony DePeltry is considered to be the godfather of all CGI characters. Um, and uh, it's interesting is John Lasseter was one of the film's judges. And, um, you know, Lasseter worked on, obviously, you, if you don't know, he worked on Toy Story, Toy Story 2, Bugs Life. And he even said, he remarked that uh, it was a landmark piece uh, where real fleshy characters were first animated by a computer. I, I, I don't know about fleshy, but <laughs> I guess in those terms, looking at it, uh, we'll, we'll take a look at it right now. You want to check it out? Yeah, definitely. Okay, Let's I'll do so. Ahead, I'll go ahead and show that. Uh, let's see here. I'll go ahead and play this. So there's, uh, let me go ahead and scrub through just a little bit. Can you hear the sound? Yeah. Okay, sorry. So what are we seeing here? It's a is that a piano? So it's the bottom of the piano. Those are the the feet touching the. Oh, I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's playing the pedals with the feet. bottom of the piano. Where you're, yeah, there's the pedals. The tone, I guess the pedals. Yeah. Let's see. You can see his face is very uh, exaggerated. Oh my gosh! Character. That's horrible. Yeah. It's horrible. But he's blinking. He's looking around, breathing, and I believe uh, he starts speaking French. It's so lifelike. Yeah. <laughs> it's really disturbing. <laughs> but you know, this this won all sorts of awards. So yeah, it was cutting edge for the day. That yeah, shows you just how far we've come, right? Faceted eyes and but they're blinking, you know, the bottom oh, and the top lids are blinking. Such a, such emotion. And we talked about uh, you know facial animation, right? Right. In the last one of the recent podcasts. And uh, the deformation of his shoulders into the chest is is oh wow, look at the faceted. Yeah, triangles. But you know what? This is the beginning of it. Groundbreaking, groundbreaking stuff. It's amazing what what uh, was how, how horrible it was. But technically speaking, it was a it was it was impressive. Yes, absolutely. You know, it's a far it's a quite a far cry from deep fake videos, which are you know the realistic videos that we that use our artificial intelligence software to you know, replace our face you know, with one one person's face with another. And we talked about that in uh, podcast twenty one. 
14, what do what do we think of a deep fake AI technology? So be sure to check that out as well for more information on on some of that technology. Yes, and but yeah, we've come such a far away. Oh yeah, know, absolutely. The, another interesting fact about that particular film was the the creators of that film were so um, so upset the fact that they every single time they changed the posture of the character um, in the animation. So for example, he was playing the piano. When when they said, oh, well, we need to lean him back a little bit more, um, the hands would come off of the piano keys uh, because they didn't have a, an ability to, to to lock the hands down. And so they, everything's baked together. Right? right. So they kept uh, they had to reprogram it, uh, which was super tedious and frustrating to work that way. And so as a matter of fact, that one of the one of the uh, directors worked with two programmers uh, to create a new program and founded the company Soft Image in, in Montreal. And um, which everybody, um, you know, it's a well-known soft uh, software company that was used by ILM. They picked it up because they had, they came out in 1991 with um, where they were locking the hands down on the keyboard using inverse kinematics, which we talked about previously in another podcast. Yeah. Um, so that that's kind of interesting. A little tidbit there. Interesting fact. Excellent. So do uh, virtual actors have have rights? You know, with more and more people, uh, people I should say, with more and more virtual actor, actors popping up in, in in different ways, and do do they? Uh, so you're saying they? You're asking. Go ahead. It, so maybe Peter Cushing. Uh, I mean, he's passed away. So does he have rights after he's passed away? It's a great question. Um, you know, and, and most actors don't really. Uh, well, I know there's more and more. You know, it's becoming since it's more common today to, to be digitizing and scanning, especially with, with action films and stuff like that. Um, I, I think they're, they're writing those into contracts now, you know, do you want to, are you going to allow us to use your digital clone? Or are you going to allow us to use your likeness in the future for, you know, films when you're dead? Right. And what about, well, what about uh, early on when they started first digitally uh, duplicating like Marilyn Monroe and Humphrey Bogart in 1987, when they were doing those commercials uh, then, um, I don't know if they actually got in, uh, got uh, permission from their estates or their family members. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of an interesting question, right? Um, and then Brandon Lee, you know, what happens if you there's an accident during a filming? I mean, or you die, you know, he, he died during the filming of that. Um, there was several other um, during um, uh, The Sopranos. Um, there's an actor that died during that. So there's, there's a, you know, what do you do? How do you fill, how do you fill those scenes up that you needed to have that person uh, in? You just, I guess so, you just write them out, but. So, so, so that brings up the question, you know, of reanimating characters, bringing back people who have, who have died. Right. Uh, and so who owns those? You're, that's a great, you know, a great question. Does, does the, I mean, I guess in the, in the, in the case of Peter Cushing, uh, he, he, he signed it, you know, he signed a waiver saying, yes, you can use my stuff. But on the other hand, uh, Robin Williams, he signed something that said, no, you can't use any of my stuff going forward. So his image, I think it's yeah. his image. Exactly. Uh, and so I, I think, you know, there's just there's a there's a there's a difference between, I guess, bringing people back from the dead as a, kind of a different legal issue than than, you know, just using someone else's likeness today because you can copyright that yourself. But, yeah, once you're gone, mm -hmm. is it your estate that handles that? Uh, well, you know, I mean, what if you what if you what if you portray a character? I mean, what if it's not your likeness, but it's a character you play? Right. You know, can somebody else play that character? Mm -hmm. You know, well, I know Robin Williams, he did do that, but he also. Um, you know, his signature photograph and likeness for he, he restricted it for 25 years after from his death. So after 25 years, then I guess you can pretty much do what 
what you want. Um, so, you know, what, what, what happens then? Uh, so, you know, some definitely, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I think going forward, there's going to be a lot of, um, uh, actors that are, um, let's say they're well-known actors are going to start doing, uh, having into their contracts. Um, you know, after, after I start getting older at a certain point, you want to continue using my likeness, then that's going to cost. Well, yeah. Like, I, I like, I'm not sure Fred Astaire would, you know, do you, would he have volunteered to do, you know, I don't know if you've seen that commercial where he does his famous dance moves with a vacuum or a mop or, you know, something like that. I don't know if you've seen those, but that right. I, I'm not so sure that he would have done, you know, wanted that, wanted his likeness to be used that way. Right. And, and that's what, well, you know, the Star Wars team actually sought um, and was granted permission from Peter Cushing's estate to create. Yeah. That. Yeah. Exclusively. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And so I think going forward, as far as that, um, I mean, what can you do? You just kind of do the best, you know, have, have good morals, ethics, and you know, do those things. And try well, is there a statute of limitations? Is there a statute of limitations on that? Like you, you could do, your, say, do you do your due diligence and say Humphrey Bogart has been, or, or anybody else really for that matter, yeah. say they've been dead a hundred years, but there's photographic evidence, you know, photograph uh, of them and you can reproduce them digitally. Right. Uh, you know, if you've got audio, you can kind of, you know, uh, uh, synthesize that uh, so uh, d- who owns the rights to that that's the, i think that's the real question I, I think when it all boils who who owns the rights to these likenesses or these virtual actors yeah i mean that's a that's a great point going you know i don't know i mean that's it's it's probably going to be debated and hopefully it's done respectfully um but then again that's you know that's uh subjective too um so i don't know going forward that's going to be very interesting to see how that works but uh Anyway, well, I know it'll imp- it'll impact. Go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, you you go ahead and say say what you're going to say, and I can show uh, you know show some of the the well known virtual actors currently that we've we've uh, you know seen in many many movies and video games. Oh, definitely, I've got a couple couple images I like to show as well. So yeah, let's go ahead take go ahead and take a look at some uh, virtual actors uh, okay. you've got. So uh, Paul Walker, obviously, he he did die during the filming of uh, uh, Fast and Furious seven and uh they used his his two brothers were actually stand-ins for him uh, uh, body wise and they just replaced a, a digital face on top of um, of their brother of, of his brothers uh, for various scenes um another one uh, uh recently has been um well this is a little bit older this is the from the crow so that's brandon lee and this is one of the shots where they digitally replaced his um pasted it right over a virtual actor here or a human actor. Um, so it looked like he was still alive for this scene. Um, and then of course, uh, Rogue One, Princess Leia. I think they did a pretty decent job in here. It's still, you know, we discussed our, uh, you know, the realism and how it still looks odd. Um, you know, almost like a, a rubber mask on top of it, mm-hmm. but they're getting, yeah, you know, yeah. it's getting better and better. And then Mark Hamill uh, for Luke Skywalker in um, The Mandalorian that one uh this one uh you know is it, I, you know this is the one we talked about in in uh, earlier podcasts as well as peter cushing i think they did a really good job on here it just it does it's you know it's a hyper realistic looking uh face but it's still and it's a still image here too as well right. i mean when he, when, when he moves this that's when the things start to betray you know right but it's still there's still something odd i think around the eyes that just doesn't doesn't come through mm-hmm. um and then of course uh let me show you the the marilyn monroe that was this is uh, an old, what from the eighties. Oh yeah, yeah. That was or nineties. I can't remember exactly, but that's that was nineteen eighty seven with uh, Humphrey Bogart. Uh, it was a they 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 made a 
short film, uh, Nadia uh, Magnat Thalman and uh, Daniel Thalman uh, for the 100th anniversary of the Engineering Institute in Canada mm -hmm. uh, created this uh, short film starring Humphrey Bogart and Marilyn Monroe. It was the first, actually, the first digitally uh, reanimated uh, film, excuse me, you know, film with, with reanimated characters, you know, people who were dead or brought back to life. So this was wasn't a perfume ad? No, this is not a, not well. That, this particular one, I don't know. I think I, I, think I maybe this perfume, perfume ad, but it, it was called Rendezvous in Montreal. Maybe she was uh, she had some perfume there. I don't know. All right, I don't know. And then of but, course, this one is the the one that's always the the uncanny valley weirdness too. This one too is a, a clue from um, uh, the Blade Runner, or I'm sorry, from um, uh, Tron. Uh, that was the latest Tron. This this always really bothered me too. Looking at Jeff, <laughs> yeah, kind of an odd look. Yeah, it's around the mouth. I remember we were talking about how how strange it looked around the mouth during the the, the lip sync performance. Yes, yeah, and it's like that that rubber mask look. Definitely. Well, here's a here's a couple that I found. I I, I was really uh, enamored by uh, Angelina Jolie. I have to say, but uh, this was uh, in Beowulf. This was uh, one of the first CG. You know, the first attempts at it believable attempts, I would say, one of the most realistic attempts at the time to portray uh, a digital actor or a virtual actor. She looks pretty good. Yeah, I mean, she looks uh, great. Yeah, it looks really, really good. You know, and, uh, uh, you know, it's also being used to to, uh, to de-age characters, you know, during in the X-Men, they've done a lot of that work in the X-Men to to uh, to de-age, uh, you know, de uh, Professor yeah. X and and uh, Magneto. And, and here's a, a Michael Douglas uh, for Ant-Man, where he they de-aged him probably 30 years. Uh, here's uh, Michael Downey Jr. They de This was for um, one of the Iron. Uh, let's see, one of the Captain America movies. You mean Robert Robert Downey Jr. I'm sorry, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, thank you. And our favorite, uh, of course, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Uh, for his portrayal in um, Terminator. It was and one of the, uh, one of the latest Terminator movies. And one of my favorites is this is a side by side of. Of the virtual actor, where they of Will Smith basically doing the motion capture uh, and performance capture for his uh, digital double. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting movie. Uh, you know, going forward, I, I guess he's he's a wow. Yeah, that looks fantastic. The digital character looks fantastic as a young young guy. And you remember the general in uh, in uh, Avatar? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, it was a really nice scan. Yeah, I had one real quick clip I wanted to kind of show. It It, it probably would have fit a little bit, or, bit better in our, our podcast on facial performance. Uh, but uh, I'm going to, this is Andy Serkin doing, and it just kind of shows the power of, of virtual actors. And, and uh, you know, here's, here's basically him being, his performance being cap, uh, 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 applied to a digital character of himself. And then that side by side with a, a creature character using the same animation and the same audio track to, to drive the, the performance. Did you call him Andy Serkin? D did I? I thought it's Andy Serkis. Oh, I'll have wow. to check the tape. Yeah, that the facial on that, uh, there's an alien on the side, uh, the right side of the screen. And him, yeah. him uh, voicing that is, 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 is the, the one on the left, is that, also a digital that looks like a digital double of him as well yeah that's what i said yeah that, that, that's a digital double of him and then that same animation data is being applied to the creature on the right and this is being a, a rendered by with the unreal engine by the way quite an impressive piece of software that we've talked about many times in the past right is that unreal engine 5 it has to uh, be, I don't, right 
No, I don't believe so. I think this was Unreal Engine 4. But, really? But yeah. Okay. Wow. But still, it just shows you the power of the game engines today. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty impressive. Um, you know, every single, you know, eyebrows, um, all the, the eyelids, everything, the nose going up and down around the sides of the mouth, everything is moving. That's that's super impressive. Wow. Yeah, it's just amazing what can be done. And, and they're doing that with the, uh, basically capturing entire body performances like that, which is just astounding. Now, I would definitely say that's fleshy. That looks very, very fleshy. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so uh, I know we talked about um, do virtual actors have rights um, and the well, you know, uh, personality rights and things like yep, that. Yep, yep, um, What about uh, ethics? Go ahead. Go ahead, Ellie. Well, I was going to say, you know, I, the, the, the virtual actors may, might cause, you know, are they going to replace digital, you know, replace real actors? Well, you know, a lot of people are in Hollywood are kind of really are kind of scared about about that. Um, and why not? You know, virtual actors, they don't they don't throw tantrums, right? Um, <laughs> that's true they, they don't demand more money you know during the filming or the, and they don't threaten to strike or they don't do any of that you know they don't like like we talked about earlier they don't die during filming mm -hmm. which is a real bummer um you know they do exactly what they're told every time um and they never and they don't get tired of doing it over and over and over you know i mean they do it again with the put your arm down yeah okay they do it you know i mean no complaining no and you know there's there's even a company called uh virtual celebrity productions which uh you know, they've purchased the rights to create and use a lot of uh, digital clones of various dead celebrities, um, such as Vincent Price and Marlene Dietrich and, and a whole host of others. But so so expect to see a lot of, uh, you know, we talked about regenerating of the dead, mm -hmm. reanimating of de past actors. Well, that's that's a, that's what we're going to see a lot of that now. And, um, you know, I think it's entertaining. I like to see that. I, I love Humphrey Bogart. I love I love James Cagney. I'd love to see James Cagney come back in it. You know, as a gangster, I'd love to see a new gangster movie with with him in there. That would be um, nice. That would be nice. So, so, so I mean, but you know, the the the, the problem with this stuff is, you know, um, and then deep fakes. You know, what, what about that? Exactly, exactly. You know, it, it's it if you're if you're trying to do it for entertainment purposes, that's one thing. But the, the, the technology is there to to really wreak havoc, you know, on on other things. I mean, it's one thing to think something's real, you know, and it not be real for the sakes of entertainment. But when you're when you can't tell what's real from unreal in reality, you know, it's that's that's going to be I mean, we're almost there, honestly. Well, yes. And, and, and uh, you know, we'll we'll the the question will virtual actors replace real actors well according to vulture.com if you know if studios can prolong or revive their most valuable franchises with cgi that can bring back the old the dead or burned out actors who most uh, most profitably led them they will um you know a 35 year old um you know harrison ford will return to star wars and indiana jones heath ledger will play the joker again um the next sex in the city movie will star virtual kim cattrall um, and, you know, uh, let, a, let another actress possibly play her as Samantha via motion capture and then just mm -hmm, mm -hmm. put, put her likeness over, over a digital, uh, dupe of her face over, over it. Uh, you know, but if Hollywood could make uh, backup copies of these actors and reanimate dead ones, um, say Bruce Lee, Audrey Hepburn, like you said, James Dean for mm -hmm. starters and cast them all in movies together at the ages we remember them best, there might be no need for new stars ever again. Um, well, you know, that's a kind of a pessimistic way to look at it for me, because that's like saying there's nothing new that's good. You know, there's no new good actors. And, you know, that <laughs> in a lot of ways, that's that's true, because, you know, and, and, and that's not not necessarily the actor's fault. Or I should say, you know, Hollywood's 
the model of, of making movies in Hollywood's changed somewhat. And we're, you know, we'll be talking about that in a future podcast, but you know, they're, they, they don't make movies like they used to. Uh, and, and so their, the, their model of making movies, you know, if one movie, like you said, if one movie franchise is successful, they're going to extend that franchise. They're going to make 20, you know, parts to that movie with using Harrison Ford. I mean, if they can get away with it. Right. Uh, and I, I, I wonder if people, you know, aren't going to get tired of Harrison Ford, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, if that happens, I, 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 I like the idea of, you know, having Marilyn Monroe and Humphrey Bogart and cast into new roles and maybe interacting uh, in ways that they haven't. That's that's for, you know, that that kind of makes sense because what's old is new. A lot of people don't know those actors. And so it might work. I just don't think uh, I don't think actors have indefinite lifespans. I just I mean, maybe they do. You know, that'll be proven out. But I, I, I think it's kind of a pessimistic way to kind of kind of look at. The, the art form that, oh, there's only these few beautiful people and and they're the only ones we're going to cast, you know, in our movies, you know, because they have such appeal. I mean, yes. And maybe so. That, maybe so. Yeah. Well, I know they talk, they talk about AI, replay, you know, you being used deep learning, like you said, um, where you have, you know, a, an actor, you, you, you're paying like a, a 16th of the price of, a, of, of, you know, of, of a major actor or actress and, and saying, okay, we'll just put her, her, the likeness on top of that and, and save money. Um, you know, I don't know if we can ever, um, at least within the next five years, maybe 10 years, um, they can have an AI driven virtual human, you know, to, you know, to produce entirely using artificial actors, um, that theoretically could, could do, do that. But I don't, I think we're still pretty far away from that because, um, you know, according to, uh, Arno uh, Hartholt, uh, Director of Research and Development at USC's Institute for Creative Technologies. Uh, I agree with him. He said it'd be very difficult to artificially generate a new performance from clips of a real actor's speech. Um, you have to do, uh, do it as a library of performances. Um, and you need a lot of examples, not just only how a voice sounds naturally, but how it does, how, it, how does it sound while angry or happy um, or being hurt and somebody's out of breath. So the cadence of the speech um, it's, it's not even as simple as collecting a huge amount of existing performance data because um, at some point, the range of characters uh, played by the same actor won't produce a consistent data set. Uh, you know, I, I, have to agree, I have to disagree with that. I think, I think it's amazing what we're able to do digitally. I, I think there is enough data. And if the data isn't there, the AI is going to simulate it. You know, it'll be based. No, it's, it's. I don't think it's, I don't think, I'm saying, I'm not saying it ever be. But I'm just thinking. I'm thinking it's going to be a ways away. I don't think it's going to be in five years. I really don't. Oh no, maybe not in five years. Yeah, I mean, as a matter of fact, as the way the landscape looks years. right now, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, CGI actors won't replace real actors, but you know, we'll sup- they'll supplement them. And you know, like you said, it's impossible to replace that actor because their their personality is off screen as much as they are on screen. So, uh, in some ways, actually, CGI and, and digital actors might make them even stronger because you know they they can have more screen time, they can look younger, or they can just maybe, you know, be on screen where the actor doesn't have to be. Right. I mean, right. Uh, what if, what if he wins, what if the actor wins a, you know, an Oscar for the performance of CGI double, you know, does, you know, I mean, yeah, I can't wait for that. <laughs> well, yeah. It, I, I, well, I know Andy circus, what he's a, uh, was, was one of the first uh, actors to win uh digital. That's right. For Gollum. You're right. Yeah. For Gollum. Yeah. He's uh well, I guess Critics, Critics' Choice Movie Award. I don't know. Did he actually um, get an Academy Award yet? I know he was kind of uh, pushing for a lot of the VFX uh, artists at one point to get uh, awards as well. Um, so, 
you know, as far as as far as the ethics of using virtual actors, I you know, my I don't have a lot to say on, on this this other than um, you know, there's a lot of virtual actors that are being used now for you know as virtual influencers or characters oh, yeah. in computer graph, you know, games, gaming software, you know, games and stuff like that. I mean, they're definitely personalities. Kayla. They're yeah, exactly. I mean, so are they, are they, are they going to turn into digital slaves? You know, I mean, right. and you know, can we kill them by the millions and everything's just fine? I mean, can we endlessly blow them up and, you know, use them in, in, you know, unseemly ways? I, I, I don't know. Uh, right. Are we just free to do that? I mean. Right. Well, I mean, it's interesting you brought up, uh, you know, the, the influencer part because, um, the creative artist agency, ones that represent Scarlett Johansson, Will Smith, Steven Spielberg, signed up uh, Michaela, a 19-year-old uh, British, or excuse me, a Brazilian-American model, pop singer and influencer. Um, she's a virtual celeb, and it was created in 2016 by a California tech startup named Brud. Um, so she, she does brand strategy, commercial endorsements. In fact, she will be 19 forever. And um, she also has a, a huge fan base, about 2.2 million Instagram followers. And uh, she actually is duetted with real life singers. And she has a saga with virtual boyfriends and f- what they call frenemies. So <laughs> interesting. Well, you know, we're going to we're going to be young forever, too, Sean. Look at us. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah, two characters. <laughs> yes. Uh, no gray yeah, hair. Exactly. That would be great. Um, but anyway, Michaela looks more like kind of a video game character, in my opinion, than a realistic human. So uh, maybe that's the whole point. Yeah, so. I agree. I agree. Well, I think virtual actors are going to become part of our everyday lives more and more, you know, more ingrained in our society. But and I, I really look forward to what we talked about before, which was, uh, you know, have new movies created using classic movie stars. I, I think that's really, really uh, would be a very entertaining genre of filmmaking. Um, right. You know, yeah. And, and, and uh, since COVID, um, then now there a lot of performers are uh, there's one called uh, Under Presence, the Under Presence. And it's an ongoing virtual theater with VR uh, uh, actors within this uh, VR experience, which is kind of interesting. That is interesting, huh? Yeah. So, uh, you know, the, the, you know, as people have gotten used to the whole, you know, being at home and things, and and this is an, another uh, area of entertainment that people could go into as uh, virtual actors. Yes. Why don't we get to, to the mailbag? Uh, oh, we're getting yeah, to the end of the been? podcast. Oh, let's let's not forget to do that. Okay. Um, so. Uh, Absolutely. No, no problem. No problem. Why don't you go for it? All right. Uh, Talicus. Uh, hey, we really appreciate you guys. Uh, everybody, uh, you, <laughs> uh, please keep the comments coming. Uh, we appreciate that. Uh, so I guess three days ago, uh, one of our, especially podcasts, you Talicus. Yes. 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 Uh, the question is wrong. It can be rephrased to something like what's the best method to turn 3d models into, uh, to render out 2d images. So that was one of our podcasts that we had done on uh, creating 2D animation. He says, there's nearly no specific software that can really do this, but technique, this technique, you can achieve this. Um, there are numerous ways to achieve this. Um, it all depends on how much you want to blur the two together. The cheapest way is to use Maya's tune shader before, and then a ramp shader, which is used to control the sh- where the shader went. Um, so... He's so shaded. That's one way to do it. That's definitely one. Yeah, that's definitely one way to do it. I mean, he's got a point. I mean, there's as we, as we mentioned, there's a lot of ways to skin the cat on that. Uh, 
you know, that's, that's, it really depends on the look that you're going for and the creative vision that you've got and, and, and the requirements of the characters, you know, do, do they need, how, how realistic quote do they need to be? I mean, there's a scale. I, I we, we should have shown it in that, in that podcast, but there's a scale showing the levels of realism and uh, that's, that are commonly accepted in the industry. And so that, that, that it really bears on that. Yeah. It's been, he did say um, cell shading 3d animation is just bland and boring now. Um, I, I don't agree of that. Uh, uh, because of uh, the whole Into the Spider-Verse. I mean, that was- Yeah, and look at the new Marvel What If series. That's done exactly the same way. It's gorgeous. Yeah, so that's a unique twist on all that. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've got another uh, comment from uh, DJ Think, uh, real DJ Think. Um, I know I can't code any software uh, any better myself, but Character Animator does not yield good results with its default settings. And and I'll I'll, I'll agree with them. It, 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 It does pretty- it, it it gets you in the ballpark. He's right about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he says, uh, he comments about our podcast. He says, this podcast looks like it uses that software to create real-time streaming animation. And it does. Um, so, uh, so he's, he's correct. Uh, maybe there could be an option to use more phenomes, uh, excuse me, phonemes yeah. and, and in between frames. And he's right. You know, we, there's things we can do to improve the character performances that we've, that we're, that we're doing here. And actually, if we did add some phonemes, that would really help out at, at least in getting the, the mouth to articulate, you know, more, more accurately to our speech. I agree. I agree. That's a great point, DJ. Yep. Great. And um, do we have one more, Sean? Huami, Huami or Huami? Three days you know, this ago. guy, this guy, this guy posts on every one of our videos. Thanks, Wami, Wami. <laughs> Wami, Wami. Okay. Yes. Uh, appreciate that. So, so much fantastic and cool, excellent work. So tech is uh, so much incredible. <laughs> so I appreciate Look, I think he's French. This must be a French guy. The, well, maybe, yeah, maybe. I don't know. All <laughs> right. Well, um, great, great. Appreciate those comments, you guys. We do. We do. And uh, thanks again for being with us uh, for today's podcast. And thanks again, uh, Rhonda, for asking us, what is a virtual actor? We really hope you gain some insight and enjoy it as much as we did. Uh, we discussed some of the background and history of virtual actors, as well as shared some of our personal thoughts and professional insights discussing how uh, they're changing, ever-changing, the entertainment landscape forever. Uh, we also talked about some of the ethical and legal questions surrounding virtual actors today. And, you know, share this podcast with your friends if you enjoyed it uh, and found it valuable. Uh, we hope you did. Uh, we do a brand new, new episode of the CG Pros Insider Podcast right here every week at the same time on the same channel. And we talk about different subjects related to the business, the art and the craft of CGI animation, as well as digital VFX and other interesting subjects that you guys bring to our attention. Uh, If you have a question for us, or you'd like uh, us to cover a subject that's interesting uh, to you uh, for a podcast, just head on over to um, our website, to the About Us, uh, click on Ask Us Anything like Rhonda did, or you can leave a comment uh, below if you're watching us on YouTube. We're looking forward to seeing you back here for next week's podcast, where we'll be answering another listener's question. Uh, What's the difference between practical VFX and digital VFX? See you next time. Well, that's it for today. We hope you've enjoyed the CG Bros answer to the question, what is a virtual actor? Thanks for being with us. If you're watching us on YouTube, please give us a like, leave a comment, and share the video with your friends on social media. If you haven't yet subscribed to our channel, please hit the subscribe button and ring the bell so you'll be notified when we post our next podcast. Oh, and don't forget to tell all your friends that they can listen to the audio-only version on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible.com, 
and Stitcher. If you're listening to us on Spotify, you can share the podcast to Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr with the share link. That's the circle with the three dots in it. Contact us on our website at thecgbros.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Tumblr, and Instagram. And be sure not to miss the next episode when the CG Bros will answer the question, what's the difference between practical effects and digital effects? This has been episode 2135 of the CG Bros CG Insider Podcast. See you next time.